Thanks for your knowledge, brother, and directing us in this. May God bless you and your family abundantly. I love hearing that. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. Today we're back for another question and answer series on the infinite banking concept. Let's get into this. James asks, what happens if I miss a payment? Great question. Great practical question. So when you have a policy that's been properly structured, there are layers of flexibility. Now, the real easy answer here is going to be, you know, every contract's different. You should know your contract and your contract's going to say what your grace period is like. So it can look, of course, like having a 30 day grace period. You miss a payment. You've got 30 days of grace to be able to make that back up. So just depending on what type of a situation we're talking about, how uh, minimal or how dire the situation may be is going to be the, the answer there. But if you've got a grace period, of course, you have that grace period to be able to make that payment up. If it's something that you foresee as being a lengthier issue, of course, I'm going to encourage you to let's have a conversation, you know, but I also want you to be as independent and be in your own banker as possible. But of course, don't hesitate to reach out. If you're a client, keep us up to speed on any changes. And we're active in reaching out to clients to maintain that open line of communication as well, to be as big of a help as possible. But if you're Looking at a more dire situation or a lengthier financial hardship, let's say you've got other layers of well, what if you need to miss some payments? Well, one way to address payments is instead of fully funding your policy uh, once a year, let's say if you're paying an annual premium, if it if it behooves you to make uh, quarterly or semi-annual or monthly premiums instead, just so you can pay smaller amounts and still be moving forward even while fully funding your policy, that's an option. Another option is instead of fully funding, let's say you're making monthly premiums, instead of fully funding your policy that month, just pay what the minimum requirement is to maintain the policy in force and to pay that month's minimum required premium, but you're not fully funding it. And then when you pick back up next month and you can fully fund again, fully fund. And if you can make up what you had missed, make that up as it makes sense to you. And then, of course, you know, another iteration could be you could even access the cash value of the policy and leverage that to pay ongoing premiums in the future of your policy. So you've got lots and lots of options by having a properly structured policy. There's lots of flexibility. And by being a knowledgeable owner, you have all those and other options at your disposal. So thank you, James. That was a great question. Next, Carter asks, I've been putting $800 a month into treasury bonds should i stop that and put it instead into a policy that's a great question carter so should i stop something that i'm that i'm already doing to do something else maybe uh, you know this this question right here it's it's very common to ask either or questions and when we focus on the banking function and who controls that in your life or in your investing or in your business? If you're a business owner running a business, that's 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 the starting place. Who controls the banking function in your life? And I love that when you ask that question, you start evaluating your financial footprint. Like right here. Hey, I've been doing this. Should I consider doing something else? I don't necessarily like an either or. I mean, do I want steak or shrimp? Probably both. <laughs> so can you tell it's getting close to lunchtime? 
So I don't necessarily want to paint ourselves into a corner of picking this or that because everything's finance. So if you want to do X, Y, or Z, I'm not going to tell you to do X, Y, or Z, but if you're already doing that or you want to do that, we'll just now take into account that, okay, if you are putting a certain amount into bonds or anything else, who's controlling the banking function over that investment? What if you didn't change what you're doing? If you like what you're doing, if you're knowledgeable in whatever it is that you're doing, and you just became your own banker in financing that thing that you're doing. So it's a great question. I'm not trying to bypass it. I'm actually trying to look deeper. If you're doing investing, investments are finance. And if you add the step of becoming your own banker and you are now financing for yourself the investments that you want to make, didn't you just exponentially increase your profitability by still doing what you were already doing? Not taking on any additional risk, okay? But now by getting in the banking space for yourself, you can continue to finance whatever it is that you're doing, okay? So if, if you finance your investments from a properly structured policy that you only maintain over the course of your lifetime, all that does is what a properly structured policy does, it just gets more and more efficient. And you are, you are leveraging that policy's cash values to be able to do investing. And then when your investments come to fruition, you see a, a return of principal. You see, of course, hopefully gain. Well, where should that capital be warehoused? Where should that wealth go? I would suggest that it go into your privatized banking system. Okay, so now you could be recapturing money back into your banking system. And as that grows in skills, you could just do what you were doing, but more and quicker and more profitably. Okay, so I hope that that was helpful. Carter, thank you very much for your question about what to do when it comes to policies and, and investments. I hope that's helpful. Edward asks, what are the cons to whole life or the infinite banking concept? That is a good question. Everybody wants to know the pros and cons, and I have no qualms about answering that question. It's a great question. It's a natural question to arrive at because it sounds so good. I mean, I've literally, of course, addressed on our Q&As before uh, the concept of, well, Jesse, this sounds too good to be true. I mean, it's funny. I've been asked some interesting things over the course of the years, of course. Is, is this legal? Is Okay, so the, the, the pros are so many. And they're so stark, so vivid, so compelling that you find yourself wanting to ask, well, okay, but what's the downside? Okay, what are the cons here? My answer always, and some people don't like this one. Some people don't like that I give this answer, but it's the answer. It's where Nash starts. It's where I start. The con to either... It, it, to vetting or implementing the infinite banking concept is you. You are the con. You are the con. So the only con, to my in my opinion, to becoming your own banker is that you're the one in the driver's seat. I don't know if you're going to be an honest banker. I don't know if you're going to steal the peas or not. I don't know if you're going to go out the back door. I don't know if you're going to give a true market value to your capital like you should. I don't know if you're going to pay your ongoing premiums. I don't know if you're going to take your dividend and put that back into the policy and let that compound and grow into the future. I don't know that. Okay. I don't know if you're going to fight Parkinson's law. 
I don't know if you're going to fight the arrival syndrome. As we have conversations like this, you immediately might jump to an arrival mentality and say, Jesse's not answering my question. Jesse's avoiding my No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Nash starts his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, out with the human problems. The con to the infinite banking concept is that humans are involved. That's the answer. I know that's not a number answer. I know that's not a, a quick stat answer. Okay. But humans. And, and here's the analogy that I like to use very often is imagine that you and I today, we both get a car from the same dealership, same make, same model, same interior, same everything. And we agree to have lunch in five years and catch up. Okay. So we both drive off the lot with our identical cars. Now, while you're passing time over the next five years, you change the oil, you take care of the tires, all these things. And I just dog my car. I don't, I don't take care of it the way that I should. Okay. But we meet back in five years if my car lasts that long. Okay. Are they the same? No, no. Because of the human interaction, because of the human problems that I did not confront and that you did. So what are the cons to the infinite banking concept? Whether or not you will address the human problems that Nash talked about. Parkinson's law, Willie Sutton's law, the golden rule, the arrival syndrome, and use it or lose it. You have to confront those human problems if you want to have success in the infinite banking concept. So that's probably a bit provocative, hopefully thought-provoking, and hopefully something that will cause us to introspect for ourselves. But I appreciate the, the question, Edward. Thank you very much for that one. Dominique asks, can I own more than one policy on myself? And can I do that with one company? So, so the question there is, well, okay, I, I know I can own more policies because a spouse or a child, but can I own more than one policy on myself? And the answer is yes. The answer is that yes, you can own more than one policy, even if it's from different companies or the same company, you can own more than one policy on your own body. The questions are always going to be the same as far as, you know, based off of your your application, which is the information on your age and your income and your medical history. Is, is your body in, insurable? Can we have more coverage or protection on you based off of whatever protection you may already have in place and your income and, and those types of insurance questions? But the answer is yes. You can have multiple policies on your person from multiple companies or from one company. And the real answer, the practical answer here is going to be based off of a conversation uh, with, well, like, like, like we had. Dominique and I did have a chance to talk. We've had one strategy call already. Looking forward to the next one. But yes, that answer for the individual should be based off of your financial footprint, what you have to work with, where you're going, what you want to do in becoming your own banker. But I appreciate that question, Dominique. Cyrus asks, when I make a loan, is that based off of the death benefit or the cash value? And then a second question is, am I borrowing from the death benefit? Great, great question. I love talking about this because life insurance in general is misunderstood by the general buying public, by home office personnel of insurance companies. And that's something that Nash addressed in his book. So when we're talking about properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that pay dividends, 
the types of IBC policies that I own and use and write for clients. A policy has premiums that we choose to pay that provides us with a guaranteed death benefit. It's life insurance. It's whole life insurance. Those premiums by that death benefit. Now, there are other parts of that contract, of course, because by having that death benefit, we naturally have a net present day value that represents that future much larger death benefit. And that net present day value is a cash value. Okay, because if they're going to say give my beneficiaries a half a million dollars of death benefit when I graduate, well, today, before it's worth that full half a million dollars, it's going to be worth something. Okay, and we, by being the owners of these policies with these types of companies, we can leverage that cash value today via policy loans, for example, to use in financing to use in becoming our own banker, to use for financing our vacations or our cars or what have you. So to answer that question, we need to understand that relationship of premium by the death benefit. Death benefit is represented in a net present day value, which is the cash value. So when you make that policy loan, it is based, it's actually based off of both, right? Because they exist because of each other. You, you can't, you can't have a cash value, like James Nethery says, you, you can't have life insurance without a death benefit. It doesn't come any other way. So we have a cash value because there's a death benefit. And because there's a death benefit, we can have a cash value. Okay. So they are interconnected. They're one and in, 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 they're part and parcel of the same entity, which is this unilateral contract. So when you and I make policy loans, and I make policy loans, and we're encouraging you to make policy loans, to be on that journey of becoming your own banker. You're taking a loan by leveraging the cash value of your policy. It has a net present day cash value and you can leverage that. You're not borrowing from that. You're borrowing against that. Words are important. Okay. So you're borrowing against that cash value. You are leveraging that cash value to access capital directly from the company's general fund account. So if I have a certain amount of cash value built up in the policy, I can leverage that to make a policy loan to go out and do X, Y, or Z. And that's what it looks like, Cyrus. I appreciate that question, and I hope that helps you and everybody else that's listening. Thank you. Preston asks, no, actually, okay, we're here at the last one. Uh, this is a this is a comment. This came after some back and forth dialogue of of answering some questions, and I wanted to end on a good note. I know that's really selfish of me, isn't it? But I like happy endings. Hopefully, you do too. Preston said, "Thanks for your knowledge, brother." It's very kind of him. Call me brother, and we're not blood brothers. That's why I say it's very kind. Thanks for your knowledge, brother, and directing us in this. May God bless you and your family abundantly. I appreciated that conversation that we had, Preston. I hope that this is encouraging to others. I have gotten some testimonials recently from folks, and we have done some more interviews here recently with clients. So I encourage you, if you've not yet checked out our interview series, I would highly encourage you to check out our interview series where, and we can't get everybody on here, uh, but the folks that we've been able to get on and, and interview about their experience and going through our application process and getting their first policy and using their policy and what their learning experience has been like, I think it's very, very beneficial. 
And I, I encourage you to check out that particular playlist and those particular episodes from our show. And if you have a question, please put that down in the comment section below or don't hesitate to reach out to me so that we can address what it would look like for you to really, you, you to really go out there and become your own banker. So this has been a great pleasure for me. I look forward to our next conversation. Have a great day. Take care. Oh, coffee. The scripture talks about a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, doesn't that just sound like something sweet and some creamer for a coffee? It does, doesn't it? Well, convenient. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes.